0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Have you been looking forward to this movie? There's a the maniac who seeks to end us all. I'm putting together the greatest team ever.
1: Are you packed? Yes. We've got Corg. He's my best friend. Yes. There's my ex-girlfriend, Jane. Valkyrie. This audience and giant goats look at those they are wonderful yes they are they also scream quite a lot
0: that's from the latest marvel cinematic universe film thor love and thunder it's the second mcu movie directed by new zealand filmmaker taika waititi he also directed thor ragnarok Disney Plus started releasing more films featuring queer and female characters and characters of color. But historically, comics like the ones the MCU is based on haven't been as inclusive. So does Thor Love and Thunder have significant representation? With us to discuss is Blair Davis, an associate professor of media and cinema studies at DePaul University. Hi, Blair. Welcome to Reset.
2: Hi there. Thanks for having me on.
0: And Chicago-based writer and editor Suzanne Walker. She's also the co-creator of the graphic novel Mooncakes. Hi again, Suzanne.
1: Hi. How
0: are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining. Uh, Blair, I'm going to start with you because I I know you just saw the film last night. So what'd you think?
2: I mean, as a, as a longtime Marvel fan, I enjoyed it. I took my kids. They had a blast. As a media scholar who studies this, it mm-hmm. had, it, it ticked a few boxes for me as far as representation goes in the way that I teach it to my students. It did a few things right. It could have done things uh, a lot stronger, but it is at least one tiny little step in the right direction as far as representation goes.
0: Interesting. So overall, though, you think it lives up to the hype? It did
2: for me as a summer blockbuster, as a Marvel film, and especially as a Taika Waititi film to introduce a little bit of mirth into the MCU. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. Well, I haven't caught it quite yet, but you know, from the clips and the trailer and everything that I've read, it seems like a very flashy movie. Uh, Lots of color, classic rock music. But is is this flash over substance? Possibly.
2: It, it's, it is bright and bold and colorful. It had heart to me. It had a little bit more emotion in the central relationships that it depicts, both uh, a main romance, a bromance, and also a love between God and Hammers, not to spoil things too far. So it has got a little bit sentimental in a way that some of the other Marvel films are a little bit more serious. So it had some heart to me.
0: All right, so Suzanne, you haven't seen the latest Thor movie yet, but I do want to dig into queer representation with you. How much female and queer representation have the MCU and, and Marvel comics had, typically?
1: Um, I think I think there's two different answers to that question. I think that female representation—they uh, started out, you know, 14 years ago with Iron Man, pretty pretty weak in my opinion and it's steadily been ramping up um i really enjoyed uh female representation um in in restore ragnarok i really loved valkyrie i adored uh all the women in black panther um i'm a longtime captain marvel fan and so seeing captain marvel on the big screen was great um but in terms of queer representation i really haven't seen much of anything Um, and now I'm more of a casual MCU fan Um, there are some movies that I haven't seen so it's very possible that I missed something but I also feel like if there had been significant queer representation in something I would have known about it and I would have flocked to see it and I think that um, it's there's just still a really long way to go Mm -hmm. and that there hasn't been anything that I have found personally like ticks the box and satisfies me in terms of queer representation in the way that it has with uh, representation of uh, women um, in in the MCU.
0: Yeah, well, Blair. Leading up to the release of this latest movie, the president of Marvel Studios and Tessa Thompson, who plays Valkyrie, said that her character would have an LGBTQ storyline. Do you think that happens here?
2: It it. Does but if you blink, you miss it. It is uh, a subtle line about how you know she implies that she uh, has has had a girlfriend that she lost. But if you sort of blink, you do miss it. Oh, okay, it's not as prominent as um, the previous film, Eternals, which did have uh, one character who was uh, explicitly queer, and you do see a, a male kiss in the film between uh, him and his husband. but so that film was a uh, much more of a significant step forward than what you have here with um, with Valkyrie, who in the Marvel comics is an explicitly queer character. There is also um, a, a, an allusion to Taika Waititi's character that he plays named Korg, a rock creature, as being a queer character as well. Mm-hmm. At the end of the film. So there's some tiny little moments, but they are not nearly as prominent as even um, a, a film like Eternals that came out last year.
0: Yeah, well, Suzanne, is that blink and you miss it kind of representation that, that Blair just mentioned it is that enough in a movie like this i don't think so um
1: i think that at in this day and age the blink and you miss it is just not it's not good enough when we have so many uh actual comics as as blair alluded to in the actual comic storyline valkyrie is explicitly queer and there are dozens and dozens of graphic novels and comics that have not just explicitly queer characters, but where queerness is centered in the storyline. And I feel like in, in a lot of pop culture spaces, there's a running joke that Disney keeps coming out with its quote unquote first queer character. And it's always a blink and you miss it moment. It's always something that can be edited out if they feel like they want to promote it elsewhere for what they believe is going to be better marketing purposes Mm -hmm. um and i just don't think that that's good enough anymore i think that we're at a stage where um you can center queerness in a much different way i think especially when you look at taika watiti as a director and when you look at other shows that uh television shows that he's put out um i i recently watched um his uh, show on HBO Max called *Our Flag Means Death*, and not—it's a—it's a pirate show, but not only is queerness um, front and center um, in terms of a storyline, in terms of you get the big romance development and heartbreak, but it's also just queer in its storytelling. Like there are so many characters who have queerness just as a part of them, and it's not a big deal, but it's not something that you can. Miss if you blink, and I think that given um, given his history as a director and knowing what he is capable of, if he's not working within the constraints of the MCU, then I think that there's not really an excuse for something like that in yeah. this uh, in this day and age.
0: Well, on that note, Susanna, our producers at Reset actually found a number of social media posts on Twitter and Facebook saying that this Thor movie was queer baiting. Can you explain what that is?
1: Yes. Uh, so queer baiting is something where you are promised, basically, it, it pretty much exactly what happened from what I can tell in this, where you're promised a queer relationship, or you're in the show, you have characters who are behaving in a very flirtatious way towards each other, and then it turns out, oh no, they're actually straight, and they're actually going to. Uh, be paired off with this, um, in this heterosexual relationship that has absolutely no chemistry or in this case, it's going to be something that's blink and you miss it. And I think that technically there's a lot of debate about what actually constitutes queer baiting. And I think in this case, it's not necessarily as much queer baiting per se if a, um, If the moment is actually in there, but it's certainly queer baiting in the sense of if you promise, uh, if you explicitly say she has a gay, she has a queer storyline and she is in a gay relationship and it's something that you can miss if you get up and run to the bathroom in that moment, Mm -hmm. then that's not what they're promising. That's not, that's very, it's very misleading. Um, And I would, I would definitely call it a false promise.
0: Blair, what do you think? Do you think the film does that? Does it queer bait? (laughs) It, uh, it, it certainly could have
2: done more. It feels like there is an extended cut out there to, to be released, that it would expand upon some of the dialogue, especially with the Valkyrie character, to establish her backstory more. It uh, is is a symptom, I think, of, uh, as was described, Taika Waititi working within the confines of the MCU as a global product in that there are uh, different rules around the world for uh, what types of representations will be allowed by various sensor boards. And from what I uh, understand, quite recently, uh, Kevin Feige, the the head of of the MCU, has said that they will no longer uh, make certain cuts on uh, behalf of the Chinese market that they um, are not seeing that the return on investment for what they can do uh, with their with their storylines as far as what they might need to do to have a higher box office in China. So whether or yeah. not that opens up new possibilities for representation with the next phase, I think we will need to wait and see how they balance the need for profit versus the need for authenticity.
0: You published a book, Blair, earlier this year. It was on female superhero representation in comics. I think I can pretty much guess the answer here, but is there a disproportionate number of male to female superheroes?
2: There has been up until uh, the number of years you can count on one hand, basically. There has been... Five uh, years. Within the last five years, I've seen uh, Marvel and DC take significant strides in uh, gender parity and the number of titles that they release with uh, female superheroes or uh, queer superheroes in uh, title roles with their name on the actual title and not just part of a team. So it has been uh, very, very recently with characters like Scarlet Witch and She-Hulk once again getting their own titles in part because they are part of the MCU. But it has been a long, long road to get any sort of parody.
0: And Suzanne, when we talk about female representation in comics, we're not just meaning on the page, right? Uh, talk briefly about the the sometimes invisible roles that w- women played as as writers and editors.
1: Yes. Um, so there's just been um, in in all aspects of comics and publishing. It's not just about what you see on the page. It's about what um, the number of women editors in uh, comic book publishing houses, which has historically been much lower. It's about the number of women who are actually writing these things. It's also about creating a safe working environment for writers and for editors, because so often if you're an editor in comics, you're coming into to a place that historically has been sort of a boys club. And it's very difficult to have sort of a um, comfortable working environment within that. And people... I know women who have made it work. I know women who have thrived at Marvel and DC, but I also know women who have left because it was just not something that, um, was healthy. And as, a um, as a woman writer, um, I, I think that I have been lucky. I think that I have found a queer community within comics that has made me feel like that hasn't made me feel as much like, uh, like, marginalized and it has made me feel like I've been able to find my voice. But you still, like, it, prior to the pandemic, I would go to conventions and always have to be on my guard on whether or not I was going to get harassed by some creepy dude in comics. Um wow. And there are always, like, blacklists. They're not blacklists, but, like, um, like women, like, whisper networks, whisper networks, mm, like, okay. women who have to talk to each other and be like, watch out for this guy because he's a creep. And that's, again, that's not unique to comics. That's the case in a lot of industries in a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. But I think that it is a sign that just having a greater number of female superheroes on the page doesn't tell the whole story. Sure.
0: Well, just a minute left here, Blair, what's missing from this conversation? What do people forget when they're talking about female, queer, or, or people of color representation in comics?
2: Yeah, it's the fact that there is a very, very long history of comics dating back to you know the early 1930s and many of the problems that we are only just now starting to address have been entrenched within this industry from a creative standpoint from a culture of harassment that I chronicle in my new book comic book women and then in turn as well in terms of what uh, the types of voices are represented on the page and represented by whom uh, there are decades of established uh, working patterns that are only beginning to be addressed and changed and challenged and that has then trickled yeah. its way into what gets adapted into things in the MCU.
0: Blair Davis is an associate professor of media and cinema studies at DePaul University. And Suzanne Walker is the co-creator of the graphic novel Mooncakes. Thank you both. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.